Hi guys, Pastor Matt here. I know that pornography is not an easy topic to talk about, but we've got to say something. Uh, it is a silent killer. In 20-something years of pastoral ministry at the village, I've seen it destroy families, marriages. Uh, I've seen it hold back the potential of men and women because of shame. Maybe you've experienced this in your own life or you've seen it in the life of another. So what I want to do is I want to give you 30 free days uh, of Covenant Eyes. And, and the best way to go about doing that is go to covenanteyes.com and, and use OVERCOMERS in all caps. And that's 30 days free for you to test drive what I think is the most effective to hinder access to pornography and come alongside uh, a man or woman struggling with this in a way that you can feel supported and encouraged in the fight. Again, you can go to covenanteyes.com, all caps, overcomers, or you can just click the link in the show notes. Hey guys, Pastor Matt here. For close to 30 years now, I have had the privilege of preaching and teaching God's Word in all sorts of different locations, in front of different crowds, and it's been one of the great joys of my life to study the Word of God and try to mine it for all that's there. Um, that used to involve, you know, having 20 books open on a big table with a spiral notebook and and, and a thousand other little helps with a BDAG. And um, about 15 years ago, that began to change for me as I began to migrate over from everything being paper to using Logos Bible Study software. Uh, I, I learned what it would take me two hours to do uh, on in, in books and paper. I could I could handle in, in sometimes seconds. So if you're a student of God's Word, whether you're a preacher or not, I cannot commend Logos to you more fervently. It, it has been a lifesaver uh, in the ministry for me as I preach week in and week out, sometimes more than once a week. Uh, I feel um, prepared and, and capable because of the ease and the speed at which Logos brings to the scriptures. If you're interested in that, you can go to logos.com backslash overcomers. There's a discount waiting for you there. And, and I wanna encourage you, this can take your Bible study to a whole new level. In that moment of rage before she got home, um, I went, got my gun, um, I loaded up my handgun, and I was gonna go to his house um, to kill him. I mean, I wanted to end the problem. Aaron and Jill Young, so glad that you have joined me on The Overcomers, mm -hmm. eager to tell your story. So if you're tuning in to either watch or listen, the young story is about, man, <laughs> broken family of origin, twisted motives, adultery, healing, restoration, and, and then now like a, a beautiful story of uh, vibrant ministry. And so Aaron and Jill have been at the church for a long time, over a decade. Uh, Aaron actually was an elder for a season at the church and one of the better men I know. Uh, and so eager to share 
kind of the story. Yeah, well, thank you for having us. Obviously, yes. um, just such a blessing to, to be here and be able to share our story and, and really what the Lord's done in our story. So for me growing up, I grew up in Springfield, Missouri. I was raised in a home that initially, when I was really young, w- was not a believing home. Kind of early 80s is when my parents uh, got saved. Early on, I learned, even though that was part of our home, there was always a consequence uh, that I always felt I didn't measure up. Um, With my mom, I I felt great. Specifically with my dad. Um, Growing up, I always knew that there was something broken in our relationship. And because of that, I always thought it was me. Yeah. I thought that, you know, I was not achieving what he thought he wanted in a son. And so I always struggled with that. I always knew that like in the summer, if I left the house and left the door open and the AC was on, I knew when I got home that there was a high chance there was going to be a physical consequence. Okay. Spankings were, were very common. And I just, I never felt like I, like I had his approval. Okay. And so what that led to was me seeking approval from everybody else. Yeah. Um, I wanted to be the funny guy. I wanted to be, I mean, I wasn't a a great athlete, but I wanted to be in sports. I thought that's where I'll get my identity. That's where I'll get it. Um, And I just, I I always struggled. It seemed like everywhere I went, I never found it. And and it was just a constant struggle of, I'm not approved by my dad. I knew my mom loved me. I'm very close with my sister. But with my dad, it just, it just seemed like I was just never enough for him. Now, was... So what I, what I want to try to pull on is uh, I think there's a human bent towards reading um, our interactions, specifically as men, with our fathers a certain kind of way. Were there, were there words of affirmation that he would give? Were there, were there moments where he's at the game and he, he does kind of pull you aside and was like, dang, Aaron, that was, that was legit there? Or, or So was it an absence of those things that you were reading or was it there but you just couldn't interpret it as oh there it is that's what I was looking for from him I think the way he showed it so those words were not there okay like I never remember him pulling me aside and being like man you killed it that day yeah I never remember that what I do remember is he always made the statement hey you'll learn more with me in a day than you will at school so he would just pull me out of school and we'd go fishing (laughs) okay or whatever and and he would tell me his view on things. And we and, and so I remember those moments, but I never remember a moment, or it's very, very rare, um, where he pulled me aside and was like, hey, I'm proud of you. Like, I I, yeah. I don't have a memory of that. Yeah. Um, now, later in life, um, especially as part of our story unfolded, um, one time he took me to breakfast and he said, hey, I just want to let you know you always seem to land on your feet. And that that was that was his statement. Like, I was like, wow. whoa, 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 <laughs> hang on. What? And yeah. he goes, yeah, you just always seem to land on your feet. And that was, I mean, even that phrase, it made such a big impact on me. I mean, like I remember where I sat. I remember that. Yeah. And I remember, man, that maybe he does see me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we had a few talks after that and uh, he passed a couple years ago. Yeah, I remember and, that. And uh, it was something I longed for more of. You know, it's interesting, and I, I find this happening to me as my father gets older and softer, you know, yeah. it, that that I can think back on what I what I think was, you know, I, I got similar, you know, like I, I just wanted him to like want to be around me or yeah. like to yeah do the things that we're supposed to do. But I think 
I, I can see these moments where in his own brokenness he was trying um, and I, I just couldn't interpret it as what he was doing back then. And so like to think that your dad's pulling you out of school to go fishing. I mean, this is him going, I, he probably doesn't know how to do it. Gosh, he probably wasn't shown. So he's like, oh, let me just pull him out. And But then he can't get rid of his own brokenness to like, so I'm going to use this to train him as a... So it's it, the reason I was asking is because there is this, uh, I do think that they probably were trying and either couldn't get past their own brokenness, which which tended to show itself in our dad's generation as violence, yeah. mm-hmm. um, aggression, um, either by words or by action. Um, and then I've got a couple of memories like the one you you just listed where, uh, my gosh, yeah, my, my dad took me to a monster truck rally once. That was him trying to be like, hey, I'm going to spend time with Matt. Or, you know, took me flounder fishing, of course, then screamed at me the whole time and, you know, how I was doing it wrong. And, <laughs> but but he, he was just trying to, like, connect. But the enemy's going to try to wound us in those deep places. Mm-hmm. And so I was asking some questions because were we just interpreting our through our own brokenness? But it sounds like, I mean, very similar to my own story, both, yeah, both are it, actually happening. And I think most men, it's both. And I learned later on as I got older what his childhood was like. Yeah. And so to come to the fact where, he did the best he could with yeah. where he was at. Um, he didn't have that growing up. Yeah. And I think it was just, part of it was just his inability of even knowing how to. Yeah. So at that point, it's, hey, we'll go fishing. Hey, we're going to go snow skiing in Breckenridge, yeah. just me and him, because I watched the Olympics and thought, I would like to do that. And he said, okay, let's go tomorrow. Yeah. So we left, and, and those were great. And man, I have such great memories of it. But there was the, the day-to-day, the yeah. mundane, just to say, Hey, I love you. Yeah. Anytime I said, I love you, it was you too. Okay. Like I was like, well, no, just say the words, yeah. you know, is what I wanted to hear. But, yeah. um, you know, overall, he was an amazing grandfather after I had kids. Come it on. was like night and day. It's like, yeah. who are you? And I yeah. even asked him, I said, where was this when I was a kid? <laughs> hey, well, you were I annoying. Every <laughs> man has, has looked at his parents and every woman yeah. looked at her parents. was like, who are these mm-hmm. people? Yeah. Like, who are they? When did you become a Christian yourself? So my eighth grade year, there was a gentleman who worked in the youth group and his name was Ed Finley and uh, still close with him today. He was an elevator repairman that was just a counselor in the youth (laughs) ministry. And he asked me, he goes, hey, um, on Sunday nights, can we go get McDonald's together and walk through First John? And it just blew me away. I was like, you want to you want to be with me like you want to hang out? So he would take me to McDonald's and we would read First John. And it was during that time that I truly saw what. I felt love was like from um, an older man that said, you know, hey, I want to walk beside you. I want to love you. And and he spoke so much truth into me. And it was that time that I gave my life to Christ. I fully believed in him. But then that started the cycle of, okay, now I have to earn it with with God. Uh, I've got to keep on doing this. If I don't do the read through the Bible in the year and hit every check, well, he probably doesn't love me either. So it was, there was freedom in knowing that I was loved by Jesus, but keeping that love was something I felt I was looking at through the eyes of how I saw my earthly father. Yeah. And so I just had to continue on that cycle of, well, I got to do this. And if I didn't do it, well, then I just ran way yeah. down a dark road. And then I would come back and, you know, the whole summer camp every year I'm going to, you know, rededicate my life was the cool. term we used at camps. And it was just so you're seemed Baptist. like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was raised in no, that no way. Offense. I'm not no, trying no, to be, yeah. I'm Baptist. So I yeah, so it was how yeah. it was. We wrote everything, burned yeah. it in a fire and all oh, of yeah. our sins. Burned our CDs. All same friends are friends and forever. And, and yeah. that's what, those were the demons leaving. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. 
but and so it just that cycle continued and and it continued i mean it still continues there's still yeah. things about it that i that mm -hmm. i strive after just being a type a driver yeah i mean i want that approval i want to be successful and i brought that into our marriage and just how i saw jill and and yeah it's just it's it's been that constant um thorn in my flesh that yeah. i have to constantly battle growing up i mean complete opposite okay um my grandfather was a uh, Baptist minister then did after he retired evangelism you know okay. and so my parent my mom my dad was saved out of a broken home and then my mom grew up you know, like you always say uh were you birthed on the yeah the altar altar that was that me was you. I mean I was church I, I was like Wednesday birth and then Sunday was church and of course okay. we all went you know that's what you do so I come from a beautiful family loving parents uh, I have a wonderful sister and just grew up kind of, we always say, leave it to beaver kind of sure. style. You know. Like the good girl. Yeah. yeah. Yes, 100%. <laughs> 100 yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, but from the, I, I mean, I can remember being in kindergarten maybe, uh, struggling with not feeling like I belonged anywhere okay. because my parents are very quiet, not loud. You know, my sister is very soft and here i am no, you're not you're i not am those not things. quiet no, no i am not no. and i had a little bit of a rawer side to me and mm -hmm. i mean i remember that early on yeah and then we grew up baptist very you know good old fundamentalist baptist okay. and i learned early how to be a girl that could pick up a mask and put it on okay. and be like okay here i am all right you know and then I could take it off. But I just remember struggling with my identity early, early yeah. on. I was saved at nine. Um, later in our story, I, I feel like he redeemed, changed, stripped yeah. at, you know, with our story. But at nine, you know, and then I learned how to perform. Yeah. Baptist performance. Yeah. And I sang. I was in praise teams. I was the number one youth girl, you know, we're at all activities, Come on. Uh, you know, punctual, because that's what you are. <laughs> <laughs> punctual. That's uh, one of the Baptist the spiritual, spiritual uh, discipline, punctuality. And I, I didn't do a lot of things because I had over me all my life, it was, you know, you know, the Lord is watching. That, not, that, not a conviction of really that. It was my grandparents, unbelievably godly, some of the most godly people I've ever met in my entire life, and I respected them so much. And I had that weight of, well, if you do anything, you're going to have to sit and tell yeah. mom uh, mom and dad and man and pappy. Yeah. And it's like, you know, that weight was so more... So not fear of the Lord, fear of there man you go. and pappy. And I yeah. grew up that way, okay. you know, kind of me. Yeah. Not that I was that my parents were great. It's just I took on all that stuff yeah. and my identity all through... I struggled. Yeah with that yeah. and who am I yeah. I don't belong here I don't belong here you know I wasn't popular I wasn't so I struggled with my yeah. identity and who I was from the moment I, I mean I think it was probably first memories are probably kindergarten yeah you know and just wanting to be something and never being able to be that person yeah so and it led and of course I got married we got married very young yeah. you know so I brought a lot of that sure. a lot of that into our marriage so how old were we? Tell, tell me how we meet. How old are we? So we met um, 
1995 uh, is when we met. We started dating in February, um, engaged in June, married in November. Um, And so, yeah, I was 21 (laughs) when we got married and she was 20. Okay. And just so, turned 22. Yeah. You know, so it's no just 20. freaking clue about life. Yeah. I lived at home. I'd never lived on my own. I just jumped into being married. She had lived on her own coming to school. Well, I lived in a dorm, you there know, you and then went home. Not yeah. on my own. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a mess. It was we a, had no clue. It okay. started messy. So. When, when the call to ministry on your life and when do you take the first job? So we started um, right after we got married. It was probably, what, just a couple months? It was six months after we had gotten married. We got asked to take over the junior high ministry at our church. And so we did that. I mean, no idea of full-time ministry at the time. And we took them to a youth camp. And we were at the youth camp. And at the end of the week, Jill had, we were just talking. I said, man, I I could just see myself doing this the rest of my life. I mean, I love this. And I just kind of felt that. And she was like, well, I've been praying for that. I had had felt it a long time. You know, one of, you know, I felt like he was calling me before he even yeah. called him, and I had already felt it. The, I think when we started in the junior high, we were there for like six weeks, and then we took junior high kids to yeah. the camp, uh, and I had already started that with already welling up in me, yeah. and then he got it at that camp. And so as soon as we got back, we broke our lease, enrolled in um, Bible college and seminary, did that, and so I still continued to serve in the junior high um, ministry at that time. Once I graduated in 2000, we went on full-time at that church. Okay. And so um, we served at a couple different churches um, in that time, one in Springfield, Missouri, and then we were out at Savannah, Georgia okay. uh, for a time. And then after Savannah, Georgia is when we moved to Midland. And so we were okay. just, did youth the whole time until we moved to Midland. Um, when we moved to Midland, uh, I took on kind of a young married college teaching pastor kind of role okay. um, where I would share some of the reps on Sunday and then had, you know, classes that I would teach um, Sunday morning, Sunday night, just okay. kind of being involved in that. So actively involved in ministry, you know, three moves mm-hmm. in yeah. how many years? So that was... From 2000 to 2009 is when we left our last ministry and moved uh, okay. to the Dallas. So, area. like one every three years, which I think is, which I think is kind of average right now. That yeah. a guy tends to be in a place for three years. We were at or, that first church um, the same time when I was going to school because that was actually my home church. Okay, so we were there from 95 to 2001. Okay, um, and so then left at 2001, and then shortly after that went to Savannah, Georgia. Man, for me. Being in ministry, and I kind of had this attitude, a lot of it is that, hey, this is the Lord's work. You need to come on. I mean, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Why aren't you doing what you're supposed to be doing? And, uh, and what, was, what was it that you wanted Jill to be doing that she wasn't doing? That's just it. There was She was doing everything. But I was <laughs> and just her, like— And, you know, we had in Savannah, that we had Daniel Dawson, and we had Darcy in Savannah okay. while we were there. So and I was, was also— So uh, three kids in how many years? Uh well, so Daniel was 98, yes. Darcy was born in 2004, so. so. Okay. Yeah, we had, I mean, our home was a Three mess. Three kids and fast. Yeah, and it's yes. not that she was doing anything, but it was like, hey, I've got to go set up tables for an event. And so I would be gone that night. And when I came home, I would be tired. And, and I was just not engaged in, at home. Um, when I would come home, hey, uh, you know, all of this could be right. And there'd be one thing wrong. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, well, what happened here? And yeah. she 
you know, if I would say, what did you do today? She would negative interpret it. Well, so you don't think I did anything today? <laughs> do like, you, well, the kids are alive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah they, guess what? Your children Your are alive. Your children yes. are alive. <laughs> and so for me, ministry in that was going really well, but me and the pastor that I worked with, we just had some different fundamental beliefs that were just drastically different, especially when it, and it came to um, election, uh, you know, where I fell and where he fell. And I felt that if I stayed there, um, I was going to cause dissension because— yeah preaching through the word, I knew where I was going to fall and I knew where he fell. And, and he saw where I stood as a little bit of heresy. Um, okay. The fact that, that I was as strong as I was in that. And so that was kind of when I began to pray, hey, mm-hmm. I think it's time for us to maybe be leaving here. And I'll let Jill share because it was the exact opposite for her. It was the first time that you actually felt you had roots yeah. in something, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. I felt like in Savannah... Um, one thing about ministry at this time where we're at here is I could see him being, oh, hey, how are you? How's things going for you? Yeah. And then he would come home and it would be like, why is the Kleenex box right here? Yeah. Why did you put it there? Oh, why is Dawson running around with no clothes on? You know, whatever. You know, still. Think, yeah, yeah. Still, still, still sorry, day. Dawson. <laughs> sorry, Dawson. Get dressed. <laughs> uh, but things like that. Yeah. And I would, not that I in Savannah was this beautiful moment for me because there were women who finally came around me okay. and were like, this is what a woman's supposed to be like. This is how you are, you know, and even like circled around me and kept me protected from, you know, parents, you know how parents are yeah. or whatever. And then I got deep rooted with some of the young women being able to really pour into them. Okay. Some of them, one of them is still our very dearest friends. Okay. So things like that, some deep rooted friendships that I had really never experienced because of my, yeah. my well, I have to pretend around so you. So it felt like you could take down the mask. I took down my mask. I didn't okay. wear it. I, I felt like I didn't wear it in Savannah. Okay. And I feel like ministry was wonderful. I love ministry. I, yeah. it's where God, I mean, I, it, it's where he pours out in me. But in Savannah, it was like, man, you can turn it on with them when you come home. And it's, yeah. who who are you? Yeah. You know, uh, why can't you do that to me? Why can't you put 100% here like you yeah. do there kind of feeling? And okay. a lot of that went back to where I got my identity. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. had people, hey, you're man, you're great at this or you're doing great here. We saw our youth ministry really grow mm-hmm. and uh, we're able to really see some dark home lives changed. I thought, man, this is awesome. Obviously, I had my my issue with my senior pastor that that I had to work through. But I would come home and and I didn't get the same praise that I felt I got when I was sure. out speaking or whatever. And I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> man, what? Yeah. Do you not see what you have here? Oh my and, gosh! Uh, so it was like, oh okay, well, um, maybe maybe I don't. And then we didn't all fall down and go, oh hell! Aaron. You know, whatever you need. Whatever just you need, I mean, pastor. every Wednesday she rolled out the red carpet. But other than that, you it was did just so good. yeah. But it was just it was a struggle because I still thought, well, honey. I, this is my identity. Mm-hmm. And I I had heard for so long everybody say, your marriage is your first ministry. Yeah. But I thought, well, hey, you're taken care of. We're good. We're at a church. I'm speaking. We're doing camps. And I thought that was good. And it just, I look back and it's it's so sad to see how checked out I really was. Mm-hmm. Um, it's honestly really hurtful to think, man, I, I had so many opportunities to lead the home well and just, I mean, shit the bed. I yeah. mean, I just did not do it well at all because I was so consumed with me. Yeah. What am I doing as ministry? What are we doing that I saw Jill as, hey, you're the one who needs to go through the checklist. You know, you're you're the one who needs to, you know, check these kids in, find out, figure out nursery. Uh, you know, I've got to do the important stuff. And it was just a, a backwards view. I mean, a, just a 
very sinful view of yeah. what ministry is, but I got in that rut, yeah. and that's just where I was functioning. And I don't feel like in this season, I mean, it takes a while, but I didn't have, I, I didn't know my voice. I didn't know where yeah. my voice was. I was behind the scenes, okay, well, I have to do these things. Instead yeah. of going, you know what, let's, can we walk together? I didn't, yeah. I didn't ever spoke up. I just kept, whatever he was doing, I just kept pushing it down, pushing yeah. that down, and just being like, well, I have to put, okay, pretty pastor's wife. Yep. It's on. You and because know? she never said anything, I thought everything was yeah. great. Yeah. I yeah. mean, and even when it came time to move, you know, when I told her, hey, I, I feel like this is the next move we're having, she had huge reservations crushed, that I found yeah. out later. Crushed me. Yeah. Crushed me. She just said, okay. But, but I, did the, yeah. I did the, oh, wait, I'm the obedient That's Proverbs right. 31 wife. There it is. Huh? Put the mask on. Yeah, so... <laughs> Okay, so um, resign and then get the job in Midland. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so she had family in Midland, and that's how we had a connection there. Okay. And so they reached out. Grandparents. Yeah. They reached out and kind of said, hey, this is what we're looking at. The senior pastor's probably, you know, maybe looking at stepping down in the next five, seven years. We're thinking maybe that would be a role that you could step into. And so when I went to Jill and said, hey, this is what we're doing, or this is what I would like to do, um, Man, it's so sad to say. I didn't ask her, hey, what do you think? Um, I didn't say, let's pray about it. I just felt, hey, this is where I feel the Lord leading me. Um, and she just said yes. And so we packed up. And um, I mean, Darcy January. was only nine months old. So yeah. there's probably with me a little bit of postpartum, postpartum. you know. Yeah. But I I never said, and I had so many things, so many emotions. I was yeah. grieved. I was sad. And um, I felt like there was still ministry to be done there. A lot of people calling me out and going, "Well, you don't act like a pastor's wife." What is? And I'm like, "What the hell is that supposed to mean?" You know. Okay. And this was getting it's old. A mask time again. Yeah, and I was like, "Well, okay, I don't act that." And me, I'm a people pleaser, so I'm like, "Okay, well, I don't act." I'm not. Oh, oh, I gotta. So I did a lot of masking, and then after a while. <laughs> I yeah, put off the mask. For me, I mean, ministry was flourishing. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I was yeah. speaking all the time. I was being asked to do camps. Um, everything that I felt I was gifted to do, everything I felt the Lord had kind of laid out for me to do, I was doing and stepping into. Um, you know, we were, you know, there was the accolades that came with that of, yeah. hey, man, you did great here. You did this. And so for me, it was like, man, this is what it should be. Um, once again, no engagement in the home other than because it was just it was nonstop. Like you said, there wasn't a, a, a time clock when you punched out. So at night we'd do this or at night I'd be working on a another sermon or whatever it was it was, I was just checked out. I mean, we're not fighting at night, so it must be good. Um kids are in school, so everything's good. But I there was like I don't remember a time when I came home and said, Hey, how's your heart? Yeah. Not not this, no. Mm-mm. Yeah, I mean, because even was, now she'll tell me, hey. <laughs> Yeah. Listen to my heart, not my words. And so, but it, there wasn't, this, I don't remember that. This season was hard for the simple fact also because here in Midland, I mean, he was, because he was preaching more like up front, yeah. you know, not just in a Sunday school or with a yeah. just certain group. He was with the old to the young. Yeah. And people would be coming to me going, and oh my gosh, your husband is uh, amazing <laughs> speaker. He is an, oh, I, yeah. he must be an uh, unbelievable yeah. husband. And he, I'm not saying that, that that was, but I would be like, yeah, I mean, he is. He is a good speaker. <laughs> if you only knew. <laughs> but like I was, like him, he would, I would get to church with all three packed yeah. in the, you know, gotten them all to the, to the, to the church on time. 
and you know, and have to do it all by myself, yeah. set by myself, because he, yeah. you know, he had to be. And then I was on the praise and worship team, so I did get more involved in that kind of yeah. thing. But I still was doing everything with the kids by by yeah. myself, because in and not to be district, but he was always like, "What's Lord's work? Yeah, you know, get on board. It's the Lord's work." And I'm yeah. like, "Okay." One of the great themes of the New Testament is this idea of accountability, that you and I would be shield to shield with other brothers and sisters who encourage us, strengthen us, call us to holiness, and support and help us through rebuke and correction when necessary. And and I, I think a great tool for accountability, specifically around uh, sexual purity, uh, around pornography and those things, is the Victory app by Covenant Eyes. Uh, the Victory app has all sorts of features uh, that will be super helpful in your battle for purity, whether you you want help stopping looking at pornography or if you don't ever want to start. Once the Victory app is uploaded to your phone, it's working in the background with kind of cutting edge technology. They've got some AI features that are involved. And, and it's not just like making sure you're not seeing the things on the screen. It, it is uh, looping in allies to support and help you. It, it is uh, recovery material. It lets you get underneath the compulsion towards pornography. It is ongoing chat and support in a moment where you feel weak and aren't quite sure who to call in or who to ask uh, for help in the struggle. Um, and, and here's what I would love to do. I so want you to walk in the victory uh, of sexual purity. Um, that, man, I'm, I'm offering through the Overcomers 30 days free on this Victory app. And so if you go to covenanteyes.com and, and then use Overcomers in all caps, it's 30 days free test drive of the Victory app that I think will strengthen your spine in your fight against sexual temptation. Our home was so much different. I mean, it just it just felt like a whole different world. And there was times that that she did speak up uh, about just some frustrations um, and me being a fix it person. It was like, okay, well, let's just do this and fix it. But yeah. I was never listening to the deep issues of her heart, yeah. and so that just continued for. And a time. I don't think I probably had yet my voice to be sure. it, to yeah. I, even to, to put all that together where it's, you know, my identity, da, 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 I didn't have any of those yeah, words. I do, I do think it's important that like really no matter who we're talking to on the overcomers that because we're, we're either on the other side or, or mm -hmm. someone on the other side, we are looking back with some information that at the time we didn't have, we oh, didn't have yeah. understanding that at the time we didn't have. And so, um, so yeah, that's a good word because I, I, I mean, it's. I think it's important, like for anybody even watching or listening mm -hmm. to this, to to be like, okay, what do they mean by that, or what does that mean? Yeah. That that should be a red flag to you yes. if you're, if you're, you know, you hear Jill saying, you know, I had this disruption in me, but I didn't know. I knew I wasn't happy. I knew I was frustrated. I knew I didn't have a voice. I knew, but I didn't know what that meant. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think those are those are good things if you're listening to this and you kind of resonate with it to kind of dig into and to ask some questions of um, some friends around you yes. about it. Uh, or, I mean, keep listening. Maybe yes. we'll, maybe we'll <laughs> keep listening. provide some, some answers to that. And so, 
Um, <clears throat> so then how does, how does the affair begin? Um, we became close with a friend couple, uh, and at the church. Yes. They yes. were, they went to the okay. church. Yes. Um, and just too familiar, just too many, um, uh, situations that shouldn't have, and you know, like you know, just one-on-one conversations or whatever, okay. and it just, it did not go. Bam! Here's your affair. It was yeah. no, never, just, never does. It's these yeah. there, this little drops, just a yeah. little tiny little drops here and so, there. Someone who saw, wow, you're always man, you're always taking the kids by yourself. Here, let me help you. Let me let me take the. I'll take Dawson. I'll take him on up to class or whatever. You know, because okay. usually we would arrive at the same time. And his wife would be taking their kid in, and then yeah. he would be come over there and help taking me yours. taking mine, just feeding into that. The well, I'm seeing, yeah. I'm, someone's seeing me, yeah. Because at in Midland, when we got there, I immediately felt unseen, yeah. Because here you are, this person, I'm Jill, you know, and I had been seen by women. By the youth people, these young adults that I had, you know, started becoming, they saw me and then it all just took away. And when I, the minute I got to Midland, it was, you're not this, you're not that, you don't act like this, this. And then in in some ways, get on board, come on, let's go, you know. It was almost as if she lost her name. Hey, you're Aaron's wife. You're Aaron's wife. Oh my gosh, Aaron. Oh, you're Aaron's wife? Well, I'm Jill, yes, but yeah, yeah, you know, so I feel like I got unseen and I have always I felt that way yeah that's enough I mean, that's, that's my backstory yeah. Yeah. so just those moments of just small he would call to talk to Aaron and then he would talk to me you know first talk to me just in saying those kind of things sure. you know and it's just oh somebody sees me okay that's how it you know very just slowly, slowly. yeah okay so and then that how long before kind of this friendship begins to to the affair? Uh, it took a good month or two, you okay. know? I mean, it. What I, it, these are hard. Yeah. Because he's, you know, I mean, we've talked about it and we've had conversations just, just so hard to... Yeah. It's here, you know, the, yeah. the person you, all this hurt is here. Yeah. So um, I'd say about two, three months. Okay. And the, even that was slowly. Sure. But... And then once the affair happens, mm-hmm. so Aaron doesn't know he's grinding, he's writing sermons, he's he's. Are you com- like completely? Yeah, I'm completely oblivious. Yeah. I mean, we it was kind of like every Saturday night they would come over and and we would play cards or just hang for, out. A I mean, friend yeah, group, yeah. yeah. And, and they they were him and were friends, yeah. like close friends. Yeah. And I was close with the the wife. Yeah. So it was it just was easy. I mean, like friendship was just like, it didn't yeah, come off was as weird, never, uh, you know? Yeah. There was never, like, there was times I'd be like, why, why did, why did he call you? Yeah. Oh, well, he was just trying to get a hold of you. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, my phone. And I just, once again, being oblivious, just never connected the dots mm-hmm. and just never, cause entering into marriage and, and everything we went through, I always thought if anybody was going to screw it up, it was going to be me. Sure. Jill is amazing. Like I always saw her as, yeah, the good girl. She won't do that. I'm the mess. So if anybody's going to mess it up, it would be me. So it was just never even on my radar um, that there was a, you know, uh, just a cracked door to let the enemy in. I never, I never saw it. 
what's internally going on in you as this affair began? Um, because I was a main stage uh, praise and worship person. Sure. You know, I was the main, like mainly the one that would be up there. I was able to be turmoiled at church, you know, but I could put it on. Yeah. I had been doing it so long all my life. I mean, it's not something you learn. I, I mean, like just immediately, oh, I'm going to do this. I can pretend. Yeah. I had been playing this part all my life of good girl, want to be bad kind of yeah. thing or good girl, I'd rather be that than that. Yeah. And so I was, It was, I could do it. I, yeah. I, I perfected it. So I was this pretty perfect uh, yeah. oh, singing you know all that and then I could the week, the weeks would be and but then pretending too as with the family because we were raising yeah. kids I mean I'm in the heart of raising kids yeah. I mean elementary a little girl you know Darcy was two three yeah. you know so yeah. when you're in sin mm-hmm. and deep like that you are so blinded yeah. to what is going on and what consequences are going to happen are yeah, yeah. not gonna or maybe yeah. are yeah. So you get so he is, evil one is so crafty with yeah, he's good blinding those eyes blinding your ear putting a cover over your heart to be I don't I'll, oh I don't have to feel that no. So you're justifying in your mind the uh, adultery. Yeah. Yeah. It, it and it's crazy how quick you can do that. Yeah. And how fast it can get you. Yeah. And how long does this go on before Aaron? It was four years. Okay. You know, it was a off, on, off, yeah. on, you know. So four. it sounds like there at least were some moments of conviction yes. where yes. you're like, no. Yes. No. And then. But there was, okay, it was conviction, but there was not confession. Yeah. So, and that's where sin breaks is when you are confessional. Yeah. And I was not. Okay. I go the, I'll die with this. Yeah. I'll go to the grave with this. Yeah, I wonder how many people are listening now that have made that vow. Yeah. Well, that I'm going to take this to the grave with me. And well, I she would, had said for so long, what would be the loss if I ever was to confess it? Yeah. yeah. And so I'll just be, I'll take the burden of it. I'll be hurt the rest of my life because I, I know I'll, what would happen if I let it out. I'll, okay. and had I done that, I would have been a miserable, horrible person because it would have led to something else. It would just ro- sin grows. Sin grows. Yeah. And it might have not been that. It yeah. would have turned me to something else, you know, whatever. Sure. So if it's not confessed, it's it, it has oh, to hold. It'll yeah. hold. How does it all come to a head here? So we were just in a normal routine. On Mondays at the church, we would go in for half a day on Monday, and then in the afternoon, we'd be off. And so Jill at the time was cleaning houses, and okay. she would just clean different people's homes. I was home that afternoon, um, sitting on the couch, and she was out cleaning a house, and it happened to be this gentleman's mom is the house that she was cleaning. Okay. And so I get a call in the afternoon um, from this gentleman's brother and said, hey, there's something going on. You need to talk to your wife. And I was okay. like, okay, what's going on? Well, I, I can't be the one to tell you, but you need to talk to your wife now. And I don't know why, at that moment, I felt I knew exactly what it was. And so I called her and said, hey, I've been asked to ask you about this. Is it? And I mentioned his name. And she said, yes. And I, I think I, I don't know if I, I probably didn't say any nice words, but I think I just hung up. And so that's, that's how it found out. This was a Monday afternoon, mm-hmm. mid-afternoon. And I mean, 
you go from having a Sunday where everything was great, man, had a good morning, chilling at the house, to all of a sudden, it was a direct attack on my identity because oh I immediately gosh. thought, I'm losing everything. Mm -hmm. And so in that moment of rage before she got home, um, I went, got my gun, um, I loaded up my handgun, and I was going to go to his house um, to kill him. I mean, I wanted to end the problem. He was the problem. He gets out of the mm -hmm. way. And it was just the best way I felt, you know, once again, my my anger and stuff that I had battled for so long. I was like, well, this is the natural, you know, progression of it. Let's just end this. And um, driving over there, my best friend, uh, been my best friend since fourth grade, called me out of the blue. Okay. And just said, hey, what are you doing? And I said, what the hell are you calling? And just kind of went off on him. And he was like, what is going on? Yeah. And I told him, and he said, you need to get home now. Do not do something that'll ruin the rest of your life. And so I turned around and went home and, you know, I tried to call him, um, got a hold of him once. And, and I said, what is going on? What, what just happened? Oh, nothing, nothing. It was nothing big. And then he hung up and, um, yeah, I went home, waited for her to come home and called the pastor that I worked with and just said, Hey, um, I think something's here. I need to find out more details. He was out golfing. So after we talked, um, that afternoon, which was, I mean, not overly beneficial, mm -mm. I called him and he just said, okay, let's meet in the morning. And I can't, we were talking about preparing. I don't remember that day. I, I mean, I remember aspects of it, but I don't remember our conversation. Like, obviously I wasn't loving. I wasn't enduring. Did I don't, because we had to kind of go back into fake mode because we got the kids from school. I mean, it's like, oh, we got to fake it at night. This happened in the afternoon. It was like three o'clock. You know, they all come yeah. there. I do remember that after, when it all exposed, not told, that uh, I was driving home and I was like, oh no, uh, that I'll I'll get a narrative to tell him so the fallout won't be so much. Yeah. And so for the first, I, I think probably it was almost a week. Week. I kept this. I didn't know all of it. Okay. Narrative, just because, and that whole night, I remember just saying it over and over again, knowing still yet not yeah. completely confessional. Yeah, and eighty percent or 80, something like you that. Know, yeah, yeah, just enough to try to bide him over. Yes. like I want to tell him this, but I if I can't tell yes. him everything. Yes. yes, that's how it was. And I always, you know, part of what, um, you know, I'm pretty good with my words. I can be pretty manipulative with them, so I'm asking. Boom, boom, question yeah. right after another. And there would be things, well, hey, whoa, 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 you said this. Yeah. And I would push in on it. And she continued to hold the narrative, I mean, longer than she's she's held most narratives that we've <laughs> talked about. Because, well, this is life and death. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for her. It, it, for yes. her. Yes. And, you know, I'm sure we'll get into what the next day was like when I actually went and talked with my pastor, because that's where my fracturing happened. But um, I feel like I will say that day I had been holding and it was getting old. like. Um, of course, I was still in it and still participating. But when I was driving home that day, that was the first time that I felt like, huh. Not that I could breathe because I knew it was fixing to come yeah. for me. But there was just a little bit of lift of going, oh, it's out. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, but I didn't know, of course, what was going to look like on that side That's of it, the next side. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I, I had been playing, doing that back and forth being these two people that it almost yeah. felt like okay okay but then you know coming I mean, four home four years is a long time yeah and then i did 
continue a little bit of it that just because I was so I, I don't want to lose it. I don't, yeah. It'd take the kids from me. It take you know. Yeah. So, Aaron, I want to hear about the meeting with your pastor. That's day two. Um, that you, you just said a moment ago that that's like that's where kind of you break in some ways. But yeah. I, I think one of the things that might be helpful and that that people listening might might be able to hear and process with us is this is a four year long affair with good friends, um, and so I'd love to hear a little bit about y'all's relationship during this time. And so you got on again, off again for four years. Mm-hmm. So you're just leaving the house to clean a house, but meeting up with him. And then you're coming home to Aaron and the three kids. And then him and his wife are coming over probably with their kids mm-hmm. on a Saturday. Talk a little bit of just those dynamics and then how you two are interacting Um during this time, you've used a lot of language about masks, but I'm mm-hmm. I'm curious to just talk about. I mean, that, that played internally in, and externally. Yeah. How, how's this playing out? Internally, I was, I was a wreck. I mean, I guilt shame, but then it could go away. I mean, it never went away. I will say yeah. it never went away. And I I know this is going to sound weird, and maybe this doesn't make sense, but I was, I loved Aaron, and I really wanted to be with just Aaron. But I was so lonely and so um, just broken inside. Um, and I was being validated in a way that, a horrible way to be validated. Yeah. A horrible way. And and that's a red flag for anyone out there that's listening. And you're getting validated by someone else other than your spouse. It, that's a red flag. Run, run. And... You know, my kids were the world to me. I'm a stay-at-home mom. Um, that's the job I wanted. That's the job. I, so I was very, I could be very driven in that. I poured myself yeah. into the kids, raising them. We had good moments. I mean, we had good times together. We had a relationship together. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I, I was madly in love with Aaron. Yeah. I wasn't in love with that. Yeah. It just was this broken piece, but I was able to turn it on, turn it off, turn it on. And when I was home, it was off. Yeah. Yes, I, I say that, but then we would have them over and have date, yeah. you know, date nights all together and stuff because they were friends. It was just kind of organically there. Yeah. You know, it's not like we had to really even work it in, you yeah. know. So that's, I don't know if that that helps, but that's where well, it I was. Know part of it. Whenever I was at the church, yes, he had lost his job, and okay. so he was free during the day. Yeah. And uh, you know, there was times I would drive by the house, and I would say, "Hey, why was you know so and so's car there today? Oh, he he just swung by something you know that that I needed or whatever." And once again, it just I never thought that it could be that. Yeah. And so when and I would come home, we had like she said, we had good times. Laughed um, with the kid, you know. We had we went on vacations. We did. You know, things but like I wasn't that. leading the home spiritually, so we never got into deep talks that yeah. maybe would have opened the door for confession or anything. It was just rinse, repeat, work. Yeah. Rinse, re- we were just in this mundane rhythm of me being oblivious and her in hiding. And I think oblivious is maybe 
a ping of maybe I should step into that. Maybe I should push in more of that. Yeah. But uh, well, no, I'm not. It's okay. Oh, it's all good. You know, yeah. kind of a blinders on him. Maybe a ping that the Lord was like, oh, because there were many times that it 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 would it was right there to get caught. It yeah. was right there that it could be exposed, and he would kind of push on it, but not. Yeah. What is this? I need to know. Yeah. Or I was. I'm. I'm not a real good liar. I'm not. A, I'm not. I don't have a poker face. Yeah. But through this time, I had, and that, that came from the evil one. I know it did because yeah. I could. I could lie myself through it, and I'm not good at lying. Yeah. So I was able to kind of shimmy my way through it without. Okay. And then I think sometimes he just didn't want to pull the thread. Yeah. So this is probably the catalyst, man. Already um, for me. <laughs> So I went in and talked with him, um, shared everything where I was and, and everything that, that I knew at the time. And uh, his response was, um, okay, well, we're going to need to remove you from ministry. And I, and I understood that. I had no sure. qualms with that. But my question to him, because previously, a few years previously at this church, a similar situation had happened. And so I had asked, hey, what does restoration look like for us? Are we able to go down the same path that so-and-so went down? And uh, he looked at me and said, well, this is different because you're a pastor. Restoration won't be available for you here. And that moment, those words haunt me. Yeah. Because I was fractured, questioning I mean, my faith, questioning God, why did you allow this to happen? Because I thought I was doing your work. I mean, yeah. come on. I thought things were going really well. I felt like they were going well. People were telling me they were going well, and now this happens. Um, and so at that moment when he said restoration wasn't available, I felt like the foundation dropped out from under me. Like, what have we been preaching? What have we been talking about? Saved by grace, restoration, and G I, all of that I felt was gone. And, uh, and then he followed up and said, we actually think it would be better if you um, left town, if, if maybe looked at moving and, and getting somewhere else to heal. And the alone feeling, the idea that we're beyond saving. Yeah. Like restoration's not available. So are we, are we gone? Is that, is that what this is? And then in a horrible way, I immediately thought, well, there's my identity. I'm gone. I have a wife who doesn't want me by her actions is what I believed. I have a church who doesn't want me. Yep. My dad was right. Yeah. And I, it just took me back to the acceptance. Yep. This is why I'm not accepted. I am unable to be accepted because of, I left the air conditioner or I left the door open at the house with the air on, or I failed in this, or I didn't do this right. Or now my wife has had an affair and now the church doesn't want me. And now God, it just, it all had to add up that I was just unable to be used. I don't know the interpretation yeah. of the pastor on how he saw it, because when I heard that, I shut down. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sure. Um, and that's <laughs> kind of what I do is I'll withdraw and shut down. And so my conversations um, with God and, and just what that looked like at that time was just a why. I mean, I, I was pissed at God as well. I'm like, it, this can't be happening. Um, so my conversations were um, in my vehicle, screaming. I mean, just, I guess, probably being as brutally honest with the Lord as what I had been on my conversations. Yeah. Why did you give me this woman? I mean, at this point, I'm still not accepting any responsibility that we'll get into later of, of just where I was at and my lack of attention in the home. 
Um, but I was just so pissed that I just, I needed somebody to feel my anger yeah. and I needed to take it out on somebody. And I knew it couldn't be the kids. So I was giving God all the words that I wanted to say to yeah. everybody else. But then when I got home, I would also give all of those words to Jill. Yeah. So it was, I would love to tell you that as I drove, I felt the presence of the Lord and it was close. <laughs> it was it's not. not that kind of pot. No, <laughs> no, bro. Man, it, was, it was real. It was real. Yeah. Um, you know, I can't tell you how many times I still thought, you know, I could still go get him. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what would life be like now that if I'm divorced? I mean, I just, I went through all of the scenarios of um, somebody needs to feel my anger. Do I go find somebody and just have a one night stand just to let her know how it feels? Yeah. I mean, I went through horrible thoughts because I didn't have a framework. Um, or if I did, I, I completely ignored it. Um, where I would tell people to go for hope and where I would tell people to go for, for comfort. I wasn't going there at all. I was going into my anger, what I knew, my default, my security blanket of I'm angry, nobody accepts me, screw them. I'm just gonna hold the front and be strong, rub dirt. I mean, just lock in and not let anybody see the real me because going back to where I struggle, I always thought if you knew the real me, you wouldn't like me. Sure. And uh, so that was why I can't tell people, I mean, they can't know this. Yeah. And, and which kind of gets into when it was announced to the church and what was announced, um, it was, it was just brutal mm -hmm. because we couldn't have any communication with the church. We were asked not to communicate with anybody there. And so this idea of alone mm. and just anger. And we had no community. So we would sit in the house during the day and she would sit over there. Okay, well, tell me about this. Where was this? Did it happen here? What about here? And just bombarding her. So all that did um, is just made a movie in my mind that I just played over and over yeah. again. And it just left the rage there. Mm -hmm. It just didn't go away. It didn't go away for a couple of years until after we had some healing when we moved here. Okay. Talk a little bit about just that first few months there in Midland before you get out of Midland. So we weren't in Midland long after mm -mm. that. Okay. So this happened on a Monday. I talked to the pastor on a Tuesday. We listed our house on Wednesday and it sold in 14, 14 hours. hours. Okay. So I was yes. like, holy crap, we really do have to move. I mean, yeah. it put a realness to it. And for her, um, and I'll let even... You know, you talk yeah. about the struggle with the kids, but for me, it was like, okay, now I've got to get a job. I went into fix it mode. I've got yeah. to get a job. So that following weekend, I came up to to Fort Worth with my brother in law and and my fam or Jill's parents, and I just had to find a job, and I had to find a job. And I was trying to think where could we possibly heal. I didn't know if I wanted to heal, but I felt like I had to do, sure. you know, the spiritual checklist. And okay, I need to make sure everybody shows I'm trying here, even though I in my heart I didn't want to. Um, and that's when we, you know, called a few different churches. And, and so I got up here and got a job in construction, bidding roofing jobs. And so came back and, and really it was just every day was the same thing of me just berating her with questions. Um, you know, we were given some resources mm. that, uh, were mm -mm. absolutely horrible it's in that terrible. moment. Um, you know, we were given a book and, and I won't say the title, but in the first chapter, it talks about how, well, um, your spouse may have really loved the person they were with. Mm. And, and I was, was like, that you was got to be shitting me. Good. I mean, I was, I was beyond <laughs> pissed. I mean, I, I threw the book away, anger directed at her. We had 
nobody speaking into nobody. us. We were just literally left. We had one pastor from the church that would come over and talk occasionally. Um, but we were just left to our own devices with no guidance. Yeah. And the only guidance I had was anger and rage. And she was like, I can't speak up because I caused this. So yeah. I'm just going to take it. Yeah. And there was no dialogue. It was just a one-way berating for me. And yeah, it was horrible. Yeah. And no, did, did you loop your folks in on all this? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And they came, I think, like a week. I think the, that week. Well, they came that weekend to pick they, me up to take me to Yeah, well, I think Fort they were, had planned a trip already. That, yeah. that weekend was coming. Be coming. Um, and I think that they, we, you know, you had to. And then we're moving. Yeah. You know, so, you know, those, that was, I think we were there four weeks in Midland, getting the house ready, closing the kids out on school. Yeah. And here are our kids. And Daniel at the time was playing uh, Pop Warner football yeah. and a stud. Yeah, and they were, in the, they were in the Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. And I remember I, I, when we were preparing for this, it became, um, that memory came up. And there's a picture of all of us standing there because they won it that year. Yeah. And it was like destruction all around us. And that this time we had had to loop in the kids. Yeah. That hey, we're moving. We we protected them. They oh, didn't. They didn't know. Yeah. And of all the things, but just and I remember sitting there and just destruction all around, but yet celebrating. So that always just felt odd during yeah. that time. But I, I we were talking the other night, and I felt like when we were in Midland those weeks that we in the you know testament when things happen bad like leprosy or you know women <laughs> and all that. Kind of, you were put outside the camp. Damn. And you could not go in. And that's little time. That's what it felt like. It's the most lonely spot I have ever felt in my entire life. You know, my parents are trying and trying to help and yet just don't know what to do, you know. And and then his words and what he was saying, I was like, I just let him laugh. It's almost like it was like, you know, sitting underneath the faucet and just letting the words just, because I'm like, I deserve everything yeah. you're saying to me. And then taking them in. But and the whole time too, I'm starting to find freedom in the Lord. The Lord is meeting me for the first time, probably in my life. Yeah. And he was there, but yeah, I was like hearing all these beautiful things about who I was and that I'm not that person anymore. Yeah. The, the human person in front of me is just berating me. Yeah. And it was so the house sold on that Wednesday. Yeah. I mean, within three three to four weeks, we were moved up here. I mean, our first Sunday was the the week that you had your seizure. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was we Sunday. moved into town that Wednesday. Thanksgiving was on that Thursday when you yeah. had your seizure. And then our first Sunday was supposed to be that Sunday. Okay. Yeah. And so... Once again, it was just, it was a dark time. And, and I just... Go where, I love the part of our story, though, where this show where God's starting to work about the, being at our, your, our church yeah. and how we got, what you did, because you, you mentioned a little bit of what so you So when I was doing. in Fort Worth to find a job, um, I thought, okay, I need to call around to different churches and let them know and see if there's a spot where we can heal. Um, and so I had called um, five different churches. Every one of them, I got into, hey, this is our situation. This is where we're at. And almost feeling like you had to justify the situation to make it yeah. like, okay, we'll take you. And so I would go through the story and every one of them was like, well, we just don't think this would be the place for you to heal. And all that did was continue. Yep. See, you're not accepted. Yeah. Even in, you know, church, you're not going to be accepted. Obviously, you know, you're not wanted anymore. 
And so the last place, so we had met at an Axe uh, 29 29. conference out in North Carolina. Um, you and Driscoll spoke and, and, uh, we had met in the lobby cause we stayed in the same hotel. And I thought, man, I really, I, I liked that guy when he spoke. I thought he was, and I was like, his church is up there. I'll call the village. So I called the village and got a hold of Brittany Geringer. Oh, and, Brittany. uh, <laughs> to this day, yep. I mean, this was when I hadn't seen any hope in anything until this yeah. moment. And so I started started telling our story and I got to the point and she goes, well, can I just stop you? And I said, no, you need to hear the whole thing because every time I tell this, we're told we're not welcome. And she goes, no, 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 no. You don't understand. You need to get here as fast as you can. Um, that's what this place is all about. This is just yeah. our bag. This is where it's okay to not be okay, mm-hmm. but it's not okay to stay there. And I remember pulling the phone back looking like, who is this real? Yeah. And um, that was the first spot where I felt there was some hope. Like, okay, maybe we're not completely done. Yeah. Come on. Um, maybe, just maybe, there's a story here and the Lord may step in. And I was not seeing the Lord move. Um, I was, like I said, angry, just building a wall against him because I thought I was doing what you wanted and I feel like you blindsided me with yeah. this. Um, and there was just a glimmer there of, okay, maybe, man, just maybe we can be healed. And the whole time still thinking, well, maybe Jill can be healed. Yeah. yeah. Maybe if she can just get her crap figured out, I mean, because I, I feel like I'm pretty good, we'll be all right. And and that kind of led us into when we moved here, like I said, in 2009, um, right after we got here, we attended a couple recovery uh, in the old Highland Village building. Yeah. Um, and then immediately got into steps, um, which... I love it now. Hated it at the time. Um, she loved it. I hated it because I, I didn't want people in my in my business. Yeah. And then we got plugged in with a home group that was a. Uh, later we find out. I mean, it seemed like every Sunday was a <laughs> a, a fire, fire or an affair or something that, that that home group. That's just what they were built yeah. to to walk through. And yeah, they were. That was kind of the moments where I saw little pieces starting to fall, but still my identity. Mm-hmm. I can't let you know where I've screwed up. I can't let you know where I didn't maybe hit the mark. We just, we know where she didn't hit the mark. So let's just focus on that. And now Aaron, were you, were you unaware at this time that you, you had not hit the mark? Like you knew it, but you didn't want anybody to know, or were you still blind to the fact that you had any, um, anything to own? I knew I wasn't a perfect husband, obviously. And I knew there was things I could do better. I just thought there was something seriously wrong with her. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until we got in and, and met with Snetzer, who's a freaking sniper. Yeah, he is. Every time we go in, I was like, okay, he's going to lay her out. Soul ninja. He is going to lay her <laughs> out. That's about time. And oh he went gosh. in, and I remember one of our first meetings, he just said, Aaron, do you know you laid the groundwork for what happened here? And I remember I stood up, and I was like, I'm going to knock this fool out. He's a big boy and, too. Yeah, yeah, he is. And uh, we would have heard that. In the yeah, office. we would have heard that. And so I said, "What are you talking about?" And he goes, "Let me walk you through it." And and that was really tough. That's when I started to see, okay, man, I did bring something to the table. Okay, here. So that's a turning point here. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it was, it didn't absolve her from her decisions. No, and she was not a robot in that aspect. But to see what I laid the groundwork for, and I'd mentioned it earlier, just that crack in the door. 
by not, um, you know, protecting my home, by not being vigilant of keeping the foxes out. I mean, there was just, I was not doing any of that. And so when I began to see that and see that I was, truthfully, I hate to say, I was more concerned with my identity and my loss of a position than I was with the loss of my wife for part of it. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, I lost my position. I mean, I'm going to lose her anyway. I'm leaving her, but I lost my position. What am I going to do for a living now? Like that was unfortunately some of the days my primary thought. It wasn't, how do I get her back? I'm like, I I don't know if I want her back, but I got to have a job. What am I going to do now? I mean, my degree was in theology and pastoral ministry. I mean, am I working fast food now? I mean, what's... There's not a lot of options for you. Yeah, and so it was just so selfish Mm. that even then it was selfish. It was how do I protect me? How do I make myself look better and look okay? Because she's easy to make look bad right Mm -hmm. now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that's how it was at home. I mean, every day I would come home, hey, do you know you ruined my life? Yeah. I just need to remind you, you ruined my life. And I would say that every day when I walked in the door. I mean, I... If somebody else would have said that to her, I'd have knocked them out. Yeah. yeah. But I could say it because I felt justified in my selfishness yeah. to point out her flaw. I mean, it, it's horrible. When we moved here, God had already, when when that got exposed, I didn't sh- struggle with longing that it was over. Yeah. When it was over, I was like, I could breathe again. Yeah. It was done. And then that day, never spoke one another word, never yeah. saw them, never any, nothing. So it was done. Yeah. It, the Lord broke it. Yeah. And from that moment on, he just kept just wooing me. Just, and okay. he had been, he had been doing that. Yeah. And then we moved here, and everyone that was in the pulpit was speaking truth that I was like, have I been hearing it? I've heard that, but no, I have not heard it like that. Yeah. It would just fell on me differently. Yeah. My ears it sounded different in my ears. Yeah. And then I immediately we we got here in October or no, I mean November and it was in January that we started, and I had a the lady that was over it was Barb Pierce yeah. um, and just sweet and just my Mary Marianne Lagerstrom that she was my spawn well not spawn I hate to say yeah. that what they, I don't even remember what they call them but she walks me through yeah. my inventory and I'd never done that and we were walking through all the deep things yeah. that I had had for a long time and it just was liberating it was I was seeing myself through him for the first time and I felt redeemed changed broken I I feel like he destroyed everything he took away everything from me us and my identity as well you know and I finally, for the first time, felt like I had an identity, and my identity was in Christ. Yeah. Now, I still struggle with, you know, it's not perfect, but yeah. Yeah. And that's what helped me. Okay. And But the bad thing was, was I was getting all this truth, and I was feeling so covered by the Lord, and then I I was getting, and I would have to, I felt like I, instead of probably standing up, I yet hadn't found my voice in that too, but saying, okay, go ahead. You can yeah. tell me that you hate me. You know, he'd walk in, love on those kids, and yeah. so wonderful for that. But and just look at me, and with a smile on his face, say, "You ruined my life." Yeah, and it was the it was the exact opposite. So when I'm in church, yeah. I'm hearing <laughs> songs, Arm. and one of the songs that you know is so dear to us is "Restoration," and I would hear Bleaker sing it, and I'm like, "B.S. Yeah, there's no way God can restore this." Or I would hear messages, and she would look over at me, and she'd be crying and weeping. I'm like, "Okay, where was that a few years ago when I was yeah. on staff?" 
thanks a lot. That's great now. Yeah. Glad you come around. And so I was just so bitter and so angry that um, steps for me was was not good. Recovery was not good. I mean, I just, I did not want anything to do with the Lord at that yeah. time. No. I just locked down. And I was drinking it in. Yeah. Like I'd never drank before, you know? Yeah. So, and that just seemed to make him more mad. Sure. I, was, I mean, I was reading A.W. Tozer's Attributes of God. Yeah. I've never even, I mean, that's not a book I would have read. And he's like, what are you doing that for? Yeah. You know, so. And she would ask me, how, hey, how can I pray for you today? I was like, you lost that right. <laughs> yeah. You don't get no. to it again. No. And it's just so stupid, but that's where I was. I was like, no, <laughs> no you can't but, pray for me. But that's real. I mean, that's yeah. I mean it, it, it was. It was just, I don't want any voice from you other than dinner's ready. Yeah. I mean, that's it. I yeah. don't want to talk. And then the the meeting with Snetzer starts to soften that. Yes. And Snetzer's been really good about that over the years. Yeah, he had Speaking a, the truth. Man, he had such a way about him. Yeah. and uh, Gifted, gifted, gifted. Man. Yes. So he was on one side, and on the other side was Jason Holloman. <laughs> and so it was like, and, and Holloman at first, I thought, okay, I'll bulldoze this fool. I mean, I but learned really quickly <laughs> oh. that that was not going to happen. And so... I had our home group that we would meet on Sundays and they would walk with us through the week. And man, they were really good at being engaged. And I started to soften up a little bit and I could have a conversation with another man yeah. and understand truth and be like, yeah, that's probably what I need to do. And then I would get around her and it would, it would, you know, be the exact opposite. Nope. Okay. I'm defaulting. Yeah. But when I was around Holloman and Snetzer, um, they just, the old one, two combo. I mean, Holloman was, he was, a man's man, so I felt like I could connect mm -hmm. with that. Um, he would punch me in the mouth at times and be like, no, you're stupid, yeah. this is this. Yeah. And I needed that because I felt I could bulldoze most men, yeah. and I felt my words, I can do better than you. And he was one who immediately came back and forth. Um, one moment that was a real catalyst is he was speaking in recovery, and he had his phone, and I thought it was his notes, and he was speaking about sexual sin. And he texted me in the middle of his message and said, you're not a victim. Right in the middle of his message. I mean, I knew what he did. I thought he was looking at notes on his phone and he texted me and said, you're not a victim. And I struggled so bad with that because I like, no, people need to see my side of it. Yeah. And then we ended up going to dinner, P.F. Chang's lettuce wraps. That was his thing. <laughs> yep. And uh, he sat there and he goes, I know you read that, what did you feel? And I said, man, I just don't know why. And that's when he said, well, you're looking for an earthly answer to a spiritual problem. And it was that those moments truly seeing life change out of her. That was the other thing is I thought, well, you're just doing this because you got mm -hmm. caught. Yeah. I mean, you're not really, this isn't real. And he, seeing, saw, he saw godly sorrow and Yeah, yeah not, it was so much different because we'd always heard worldly sorrow. God, I'd seen godly sorrow out of her and... We were in recovery every week and probably, what, eight, nine months before I really started to soften up. And uh, it was just that slow, methodical work of people being consistent, people being engaging, and people not letting go. Yeah. Because there was many a times with my attitude and what I said, people could have said, screw you. Obviously, yeah. you're not wanting this. And just knowing that other people were lifting us up to the Lord mm -hmm. and and seeing that now, you know, obviously looking back, I can see how many breadcrumbs and the goodness of the Lord to send certain people into our life 
that at the time I just thought were an annoyance and pissed me off. Yeah. But looking back and seeing that, man, their persistence, if they would not have been persistent, yeah. if I was continued to be left up to my own devices, I mean, this, our story would not be our story. Yeah. It would be a completely different outcome. Yeah. All right. To talk a little bit about when, when do we start to grow back together and it turned from softening to, oh my gosh, you know what? We might actually survive this. I mean, I remember one moment where I felt like, okay, we had to go back to Midland for my grandmother's funeral. Okay. And he had said, the only way I'll ever go back to that place is when your grandmother dies because she's beloved, you know. Yeah. So when we went there, it, he it struggled. He struggled because that was the first time we'd been back. I don't, how long ago? That was almost two years, maybe. Ended? Yeah, it was a couple years after. I mean, we had, had like you said, it was nine months, kind of. Oh, okay, yeah. maybe we would have. I guess we always say you move. You know, you have ten steps forward, and then you take five or six back. Yeah, that's how we felt. I felt like we were taking. Sometimes I felt like we were taking more steps back than we were taking step, but we were taking steps forward. So yeah. that's good. But when my grandmother died, and I remember him struggling so bad, and he didn't say one word to me the entire time, didn't help, you know, put his hand on me when I was weeping before my grandmother, and um, what he would with the kids, but not me. Um, and then we came back, and two weeks into it, still that just, hey, how are you? What when's what times this? What that yeah. was all we were having. And he just on the side of the couch just said, um, why Why are you not struggling with this, with going back there? And I looked him dead in the face. And this first, I said, because Midland and those things have no hold on me. I no longer am that person. Mm -hmm. I'm, I don't hold, there's nothing there. Yeah. And he looked at me and goes, okay. And I feel like that moment on that couch for something, I remember him slowly, that kind of fast pasting. His, yeah. his just that, okay, she is something different. Okay. Yeah, and I think it, that was, so around 2011, we've been here a year and a half, yeah. almost two years. Um, that's when I feel like, okay, we're actually making steps together. We're actually in sync on mm -hmm. this. Part of that was really me working through forgiving yeah. and what that looked like because it wasn't forgetting because yeah. I couldn't forget. Yes. Um, it was also just me saying, hey, you don't owe me anything. Yeah. I, I've got to forgive you. And realizing that her sin was greater against God than it was against me. Yeah. That was a biggie because I thought, well, you sinned against me. And once again, Snetzer was like, well, but her sin was greater against God. And he pointed out because I was like, man, that life I had was so good. And he was like, really? That's the life you would want your kids raised in where maybe being in a church that wouldn't offer restoration, that yeah. wouldn't show... And I was like, well, no. He goes, well, you're very similar to the children of Israel. Leave Egypt and want to go back. And I'm like, man, <laughs> this dude, he knows his stuff. Yeah. And so, but it was things like that where I'm like, oh, I am. Mm -hmm. Holy cow. Yeah, I don't want to go back to that. And so, and seeing her, she was not the same person. I mean, obviously when you marry somebody, they constantly change and you have yeah. so many different versions of them. But this version of her was one I was like, I've never seen this. And, and. I'd say two years into it, we really started walking hand in hand. And then 2012 uh, is when we started leading recovery. Yeah. We started yeah. leading um, the marriage reconciliation group. Um, some people had stepped down and we stepped in and started leading that and really felt, okay, hang on. There's, there's a story here that 
I guess I just didn't know so many other people had similar stories or yeah. stories that were darker than darker, ours. Yeah. But, and, and part of it's you see people being restored and you see when darkness gets brought into light that it truly loses its power. Yeah, it's true. And you saw people redeem and say that used to be swingers and people that had multiple affairs and all of this stuff. And, and now God's restored this and you see them having this marriage. You're like, this is awesome. Yeah. I mean, this can happen. And, and there was hope in that. And so, yeah, 2012 is when mm -hmm. we started leading recovery and, and we continued to do that um, really up until when we stepped down uh, from recovery in what, 2020? Yeah. 21? Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. So yeah, we did that, I mean, for 10 plus years, years. and really, sharing really our, loved it. Sharing your story and just putting it out there too and then having to interact with couples and helping yeah. and just... It helps you see where the good, the goodness of the Lord is and where He was, you know. Yeah. And even like sharing it today, it's like just little time things keep coming up. Of, I was there. I was in that. I was yeah. there. So it just it did that. And then when in 2014 I got cancer, I got yeah. breast cancer, and I feel like that's another pivotal moment in our lives because He's a you know I'll fix it. Well, He can't fix that. Can't fix that. And He slowly had to take His hands off that. And I think probably finally you know lay me me there and saying, you know, Lord, you have her. Yeah. And I feel like through all this, Aaron's getting with Snetzer and stuff like that. And there's women speaking into my life for the very first time deep, you know, again, yeah. deeply uh, and working through all that identity stuff and pulling and, and our home group leader laid before me of, cause I would come out and say, how can I pray? You know, trying to be yeah. put, showing that I'm here I am, I'm, I'm being spiritual. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I stopped doing that because she's yeah. like, you need to start praying that the Lord breaks him in a beautiful way and takes that away. But you need to be like, Lord, if you don't, that I'm going to be okay. Cause I have you and you're yeah. going to take care of me, but I'm going to love him through all of it. I'm going to love behind yeah. and not keep pushing because I was a picker. Like if he would do all those things when he would, <laughs> he would he'd be quiet because Aaron can be very quiet oh, internally horrible. and he'd sit there in the couch and here we are in this mess trying and I wanted, I just wanted something. I wanted some attention yeah. and so I did a lot of picking where I'd yeah. be like, so what, what are you thinking? Are you, are you, are you, what, how was your day? Is it okay? What, what's going on in your head? And he would, that's when he would, do that. So when I finally let go of those kind of things yeah. and learning my voice and my place in the home and with him, man, the Lord, you really use that too to help heal us. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I've never been, part of. been in a church where somebody, I mean, you'd lose your job. Yeah. If you said that, if anybody said, Hey, this is what's going on, or you'd be shunned out, like she said, put outside the camp. So to see, um, because Growing up Baptist, a lot of that was, well, we just shoot our wounded mm -hmm. and we move on. Or we can't, we we don't need to address that. Um, this was, no, we're addressing this. The gospel directly speaks into this. Mm -hmm. um, it was so unique yeah. that we felt, and even to this day, that's why we feel we can't leave here. Yeah. We feel this is where we are called mm -hmm. to be, yeah. um, to be this light and, and to yeah. see other couples come into this and Man, it's just been a a beautiful thing because it was so rare. Yeah. Um, you know, one of my favorite, if I think about my time with the young family, <laughs> um, to to see you come in the way you come in, and we don't we don't have time to dive into this story fully, but um, to come in where you were, closed off, angry, 
ready to fight God if you needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to watch Jill years later battle with multiple terrible bouts with cancer. Yeah. yeah. And, and to watch your deep affection and love and tenderness come out. Like for me, that was when I was just like, man, the mm-hmm. work of the Lord yeah. here. So we can say whatever we want about 10 years of serving in recovery. For yeah. me, when I was like, this is a, this is a good work of the Lord mm-hmm. is to watch you move so tenderly towards your wife in what was a couple of years. I mean, and stu- it's still stuff that, yeah. yeah. This, and and it's just that. like, yeah, just yeah. like that won't stop. Yes. And, um, and to just see your deep affection for her. It was to see her go through that because I know initially she thought, well, this is the punishment I'm getting for what I did. Mm. And, and so for me to be able to speak into that yeah. and let her know you're free from that, honey, this is just broken world stuff we're yeah. dealing with. And to be able to walk through that with her. I mean, she's the strongest woman I know. Um, to see what she's gone through, to see the surgeries, and to see her still praise the Lord through mm-hmm. that. I don't know if I would be doing that yeah. with some of the stuff that she's gone through. And to see her continue to love people. I mean, I wish I had the love for people that she had. Yeah, um, She is just welcoming in that. And so I've fallen more in love with her. I mean, I love you now more than I ever have. Yeah. Um, and I never thought that was possible. Yeah. If you'd have told me, hey, you could go back and undo it, or you could have the love of the Lord that you have now, the family you have now, and the love of your wife, I wouldn't undo it. Yeah, I wouldn't change it because, I mean, even just the openness with our kids. Yeah. yeah. When the church called us to share our story. Yeah. Um, about a video, we had to tell the kids. Yeah. And that's that's an amazing thing to have these deep conversations. Our kids know all of our junk. Yeah. And, you know. They still love us, and yeah. it's allowed us to open up doors to speak with them. I mean, just them. to show how much the Lord has used, or even in this story when our kids and stuff, it's like this is a this is a deep dark stuff to share. And they're like, "When's it going to be out? I want to I want to I want to share it. I got to share it." And <laughs> yeah. just that the Lord and He protected them for so many years, and that's the goodness of the Lord that that's we right. did not tell them because I think they were too young and too, yeah. just not able to carry that. And just that He was kind in that. Yeah. And Aaron saying that He's in love with me the way that He is. I remember praying one time that the Lord would just, okay, Lord, I'm going to love Him no matter what afterwards. I'm going to love Him no matter what. I don't have to have anything in return. I'm just going to pour into Him. Yeah. You pour into me, I'm going to pour into Him. If He never returns it back, that's fine. Okay. I'll live that way, Lord. What a good God we have. Yeah. That That's not the way He kept Aaron. Yeah. That we are both madly in love with each yeah. other. Like we never thought, even when you're first at that madly in love stage yeah. at the beginning. So how good is he yeah. to not to listen to me and go, oh, baby girl, yeah. that's not going to happen. Yeah, I'm going to do for more you. for you yeah. and for us, for y'all yeah. and for your children to be able. We've had to walk through some dark things with our oh, kids. Yeah. And for them, I've just conversations of going, your, well, your mom was this. Look what the Lord's done. Just yeah. the faithfulness He's shown them through our story. Sure, It's crazy, but there was this hedge of protection around our kids and their hearts where they didn't hear it. Okay. I mean, they did not hear it. They didn't understand it. Um, all they said was, man, you guys seem to really get along. And I'm like, you... Y'all get along better here than you did in Midland. Oh. So. And it was just this protection that <laughs> yeah. they had. Uh, uh that that was one of the sweetest times for them was when we lived in the apartment. And I'm like, that was hell. Yeah. But for you, 
the Lord and his goodness protected them. And, you know, when we told them about our everything on why we moved here, I mean, to expose some idols in their heart because yeah. the kids were like, BS, our family's above this. Yeah. To be able to walk through those idols with our kids. I mean, how awesome and yeah. how good is is the Lord that he said, hey, I'm going to use this, yeah. but I'm going to generate I mean, generational change on yes. how your kids interact with yeah. darkness. I mean, I, I can't, I'm just thankful. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a praise to his name that we've been able to step in. And, and I don't know if there's a conversation with our kids we don't have. Yeah. I mean, there's just an openness. Mm -hmm. And man, I'm just so thankful for it. Even just hearing this, it's yeah. just, man. Yeah. Here's what I would love to do. I, I We do this in every episode. Um, Aaron, I would love for you, like, again, somebody's on the treadmill right now. They've been listening to this for the last however long. We've been yapping it up here an hour and a half or whatever. and uh, Or they're working in the yard or they're in their car or, and man, they're, they're where you were years, you know, one through four, whatever, where they're, they're, they're either like so angry now, they don't know how to function or the angers get them away to just kind of a deep bitterness, mm -hmm. um, and, a, a, a kind of fatalistic view of life and future moving forward with their spouse. What would you say, what would you say to someone in that right now? Or maybe, maybe that's not even, maybe they're in their car right now and there's like, oh crap, I am not. I am not engaging with my wife's heart and mind at all. I am she's a servant in my house and I I am not I, I am not she she to me is actually almost subhuman in how I'm interacting <laughs> with her. She is a um a tool accomplishing a purpose in my life and not at all my wife. Why don't you speak to to someone listening right now that might either be in that spot of neglect or be in that spot of anger and bitterness? So there's a couple of things that come to mind when you say that, specifically about the one of neglect. Men, you you are put in charge to lead your home in that aspect. And you don't have to be perfect at it. I guess that's part of why I, I struggled with it is I thought, well, man, we're not doing a Bible study every night. We're not doing devotions with the kids every night. Man, I, I must suck as a leader. Yeah. Um, you know, little steps make big differences. So true. I mean, little steps just engage. You don't have to be perfect. The time when you try to be perfect is when you're actually going to fail. Yeah. It's be honest. I mean, you know, Jill always did a good job, um, you know, especially afterwards. Hey, do you want to pray together tonight? Because I suck at leading us in, in prayer. That's even to this day something I struggle with. Um, just make an effort. Take a step. You don't have to knock it out of the park. Yeah. It's just that consistent step. And, you know, find community. And, and I say that with a caveat, when something like this happens, we had other community that wanted to be involved just because they wanted to know gossip. Yeah. So be very particular about your community, but you have to have community. Yeah. Um, and you have to have community that's going to be giving you biblical wisdom and not just tell you platitudes that make you think it's going to be better. Yeah. And so as hard as it is, because I didn't want anybody in my business as hard as it is, you can't do this alone. 
And when you do, you are going to utterly fail. Yeah. And, and so be protective of who you have around you and, and who you give a voice to, um, yeah. because that, that can go really, really bad. If you're allowing people to speak into you that really just want to know the latest news. Yeah. And, and it just, it, it wasn't beneficial at all. If you're struggling with the anger, um, like I struggled with, uh, there's a root to that. And yeah. it's, it's usually not the issue that you feel is bringing your anger out. Mm-hmm. For me, it was a, there was a deep sadness and longing of acceptance. Yeah. It was easy for me to point Jill as the catalyst of it, but that catalyst had happened years ago yeah. that I had just never addressed. Mm-hmm. And so what you think you're mad at may not be really what you're mad at. Yeah, I heard somebody say that anger isn't a primary emotion. Yeah. But, and that the majority of the time there's, a, there's either some sort of unresolved sadness yeah. mm-hmm. under the anger that tends to vent itself. I don't, I don't know if it's true or not. It's been true in my life. A hundred percent. I mean, there was a sadness of what I never got or yeah. what I felt I never got. Yeah. And uh, that led to anger because I felt I didn't get this, so that made me angry. Yeah. There was a sadness of not getting it, so it led to anger. It wasn't angry because I didn't get it. It was, I was sad I didn't get it. Yeah. And that led to an anger which exposed itself in other ways. Yeah. So those are the things that, man, uh, as hard as it is, you've you've got to take that step yeah i mean that's that's one thing that you've got to take that initial step and and that initial step being like counseling recovery what's the initial step to to try to unearth what might be underneath i think the initial step because counseling for me I mean, we didn't, our first counseling session was horrible. Sure. I had the guy keep on telling me, well, pastor, how would you counsel yourself? And I finally, we got up and left. I was yeah. like, you don't understand. I don't, I can't hear that title yeah. pastor. So for me, I don't know if counseling is necessarily the first step. I think it's great if you find a good biblical mm-hmm. counselor, but for us, recovery was the entry point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Finding a church that offers a biblical recovery program because one, you see you're not alone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When you're counseling, you just feel like, okay, this guy, I'm having to tell somebody who I don't even know my junk to. Yeah. Um, in recovery, you have a biblical community that is struggling like you are. Yeah. You have people leading it that have gone through it. Yeah. Um, in one facet or another. And and it's almost like, okay, wow, we're not alone. Yeah. I'm not, you know, uh some outcast. Yeah. I feel like, okay, there's other people here that struggle. And it wasn't always struggles that had to do with marriage. There was people who had addictions and chemical struggles and whatever, yeah. but you're like, okay, we're all broken. We're okay, a hot we mess can, here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Praise God. That was the whole thing though. Yeah. But that that was what made me feel more comfortable. And so finding an avenue of recovery, yeah. um, of getting into that. And I didn't talk for my first couple months in recovery. I yeah. sat there with my so it's not saying you gotta talk and share all your junk right away, but allow the Lord to use that time sure. to allow him to use other people's stories where he's redeemed it to sh- soften you. So to me, entry level is, is recovery. Find, find a biblical church that offers something like that because that was what spoke to me. A counseling wasn't speaking to me right away because yeah. I felt I could out talk the counselor. Yeah. Okay. Jill, yeah. <laughs> um, same thing. Somebody listening now, but it's, e- it's a, a, a woman who's either in this blinded um, to the the fact that what she's doing has significant consequences for herself, for her family, mm-hmm. between her and the Lord. Um, and then maybe someone on the fresh other side of it who just feels like I've destroyed everything mm-hmm. and I deserve everything bad that comes my way. 
when um, you talk to those two women? Well, one thing I just, it's just feeling, and I said it earlier, and it's being pressed upon me to say it is that if you're out there and you are feeling the way I felt unseen, unheard, you know, you're, you're a full-time mom and you never have anybody speaking into you and you find, you know, so easily inaccessible and just um, guarding yourself against yeah. um, drifting that direction because yeah. it can be very easy, especially in those seasons of life when you feel unseen, mm-hmm. um, just being guarded and protected. And if you don't feel like you have a voice, finding it, you know, and in a respectful kind of way, yeah. uh, finding women who will, I think it's the same thing, finding people who will speak into you that are, Godly, putting truth before you, um, and then a woman on the other side. Um, you're not alone. Um, you're not. Are, you're not defined by that. Yeah. Um, and re- recovery was a big part for me too, because there were people out there that you know were all being able to share and just the redemption and seeing it and just being uh, open with your story. Yeah. It open with the people that are going to guard it and take care yeah. of it because you you can tell somebody. You don't have to tell everything. That's true. You know, all details don't have to be set, shared. Yeah, right. I do believe that in situations with this too, if this is happening to you and you're, it's fresh and you've just been exposed to your husband or your wife, that all details don't have to be because it does sometimes be more yeah. of a hindrance to the other. Yeah, healing, yeah. There needs to be truth. Yeah. That's what needs to be out there. Truth, yeah. Not really so much details, yeah. But you're not alone, you know. Yeah. You may feel like you've lost everything, but sometimes, and I've we've had this conversation with our kids. Sometimes, the best thing he ever does for us is he removes everything. Yeah. That for me was true. I always say that I'm a beautiful disaster because he did. He destroyed from the top to the bottom. And if you're in that place. Oh, that's a sweet spot to be. But don't run to the things of the world. Run to biblical truth, a good church, good recovery that preaches, you know, all that, all the things that Aaron said. But But I think you said something right there that's really good. And and because we've, like I said, we've traveled around and spoke at different mm -hmm. churches um, and ran into a lot of different couples. But when you said you're not defined by this, Mm -hmm. um, I feel like so many couples feel like whether it's the man or woman they've got to wear this scarlet a, a. now yeah and i felt that and, way for a while and that they can never be where they should have been yeah and and that that doesn't define them mm-hmm. that does not i mean our this is our story story but, but it doesn't define us it's not I mean, who i who i am that's a good word you did so. good yes <laughs> you, you did good. Come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, but, hey, thank you so much yeah. for being on the thank Overcomers. You so much. I know some of this is uh, very raw and yeah. real. Yeah. And yeah. So I appreciate um, you being so vulnerable with mm-hmm. us today. Right? Thank you so thank much you for, for having us. Of course, us. man. Of course. Love you guys. Love, Love you too.
Hey guys, Pastor Matt here. I have a new book coming out May 7th called The Overcomers, God's Vision for You to Thrive in an Age of Anxiety and Outrage. And, and one of the things I, I wanted to give to those who are willing to pre-order the book uh, is just a like a series of special things that I think uh, pull from what's in the book, but encourage you in unique ways. And so uh, put together a, a guide of scriptures that are built around kind of the the, the six or seven biggest felt needs of our day. I just think there's a way to think about scripture and those things in a way that encourages us and builds us up. Uh, the second thing was I wanted to throw a couple of chapters at you before the book came out for you to read. And the third, and the thing I, I think I'm most proud of and most excited about because I think it's the most helpful thing, um, is I sat down with a group of my friends, uh, John Mark Comer, John Bevere, uh, Jonathan Pecluda, uh, and then Catherine Wolf, and, and I, I just laid before them this is the moment of history we're in. What does it look like to thrive as an overcomer? And they've talked about the fear of the Lord and, and, and rhythms and, and enduring suffering and difficulty in unique ways and what it looks like to live authentically in this day as a follower of Christ. So all of that's available for you right now if you pre-order The Overcomers.